0: Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used catholicsingles.com, and the reimagined catholicsingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, catholicsingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love.
1: Welcome to the Inscape Podcast, The mission of InScape and our podcast is to help people discover, embrace, and live to the full their unique personal vocations. In this episode, I talk with Lisa Hendy, a cheerful, joy-filled, and encouraging light. We talk primarily about her work to help others consistently say yes to the grace of God's unique calling, especially through the virtue of belief that takes advantage of opportunity for service, humility that leads to bold action, and vulnerability to seek help when we need it. I'm Dr. Joshua Miller. Lisa Hendy is the founder and editor of CatholicMom.com and the best-selling author of The Grace of Yes, The Catholic Mom's Prayer Companion, The Handbook for Catholic Moms, and A Book of Saints for Catholic Moms, as well as a book series based on the lives of the saints, Chime Travelers. Lisa travels internationally as an evangelist and missionary disciple, giving workshops on faith and family. She lives with her family in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, California. So Lisa, thanks very, very much for the opportunity to speak with you. I very much enjoyed uh, having you interview me when the book that Luke and I wrote came out. So thank you for that. But now I'm looking forward to being on the other side of that to speak with you, particularly about the grace of yes. So thanks for, for being on the, the interview with me.
2: It's a treat. Actually, I'd prefer to be on the other side, but I love sharing on this particular topic.
1: It's very close to my heart. Mm. Well, there's a lot we could discuss from various parts of your ministry and the various ways that you help folks, particularly moms, in building up the church and in serving them in their work. But I'd like to center our conversation around your best-selling book, The Grace of Yes— which was published a few years ago, but I know is still a vital part of your ministry. There are Grace of Yes retreats, and the whole message is so vital for all of us uh, who are struggling to follow the Lord. One of the things I love about your book is your understanding that calling is something that's dynamic and unique. It's not just that we have a vocation to a state in life and that's it. In your book description, you talk about how you're interested in helping people consistently answer God's call to act through mission and loving service to others. So would you talk more about that reality of calling as something that's daily and consistent? What does that mean?
2: This work is really based around my own personal love for and following of Our Lady's example of fiat in her own life. But it occurred to me when I was writing on this idea that, you know, we each had a unique yes to give to God in our lives, that that's not something that we can say once and be, you know, put it away. So I've woken up one day and said, yes, God, I give you my life. And then, you know, that's forever after Mm -hmm. (laughs) intact, that I, my own experience of that is, that uh, my fiat needs to be daily and often hourly, and that, you know, a consistent renewal of my yes to God looks different based on the varying seasons of my life. And that sometimes it's very simple, sometimes it's very challenging, but it's always needed. So just a sense that, you know, when we give our yes to God, then that in turn calls us to be generous to the world around us. It's a daily commitment.
1: Mm -hmm. So, it's such an important thing that each of us recognize that we have our own unique yes. And what I love about your book is that you help people to cultivate that through various virtues. Would you share a bit about, in your own life, how you have recognized what your own unique yes is? So, what is it about Lisa that is different than you know, one of your sisters or one of your friends?
2: I think that's a a key point for all of us to consider, especially in the social media age where we have such a tendency to look, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is so much more holy than I am or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, But this consideration for myself that God has for whatever reason, grace has opened up particular doors for me to walk through in my life that look very different from others around me. And that my living out of my faith life, you know, is my own unique calling. And in the grace of yes, we really talk about sort of these eight virtues that underpin this yes. And for me, that really begins with the very foundation which is belief i guess to the faith that we profess and i guess to the belief that we are loved and that we're called to be love in the world around us and that love you know just as in our relational love with others looks different for each of us
1: Mm -hmm. so if i hear you correctly part of how you're responding to your own unique call is to look very seriously at the opportunities that the lord has placed in front of you and when we look at those opportunities coupled with this foundational virtue of deep belief, deep faith, that we have a kind of stance of readiness to hear God's call. Am I hearing you correctly?
2: You are. And and actually, I'll say that, you know, when people ask me about some of the work that I've done, I'm always very honest in saying that it feels almost accidental, and that you know, I didn't set off to write books or to speak or to have a website that I was on this journey to know and love and serve God and opportunities came open. And, you know, some of those opportunities I haven't chosen to pursue, but those I have, I can look at and see God had a beautiful plan, (laughs) Mm -hmm. despite my feeling that I was never really ready to accept any of those things that this idea that I'm going to give you my yes, God, and that, You will give me what you need for your will to be done, which doesn't always look like Lisa's will. But I believe that when we really firmly give that fiat, that we have to be content with whatever results are rendered because successes are to give glory to God and failures are perhaps just his redirection of us.
1: Mm. What are some of the things that blind us to the opportunities that God has placed in our lives?
2: Pride for me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: For many of us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's an easy answer. You'll find me writing and and praying a lot about humility because it's a, a stumbling block for me. And I think that when we, fail to recognize a calling in our life that's often due to the fact that our pride doesn't make us want to put ourselves at risk of failure, at risk of something different that we hadn't planned for, that, you know, wasn't what we expected. And I think really, truly, when we trust, you know, we we discuss divine mercy and we say, Jesus, I trust in you. When we really believe that, we realize that we can't fail, that there may be steps that we hadn't planned for, but, you know... It's all in God's will. And giving our yes to that, it it, to me, gives me great peace.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, you and I must be kindred spirits. I've thought a lot about the whole grappling that many of us have with recognition and the pride that comes with that and what true humility means. I love that quote you gave from C.S. Lewis, that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So... What's the connection between that and what you said earlier about seeing opportunities as a way of recognizing God's unique call?
2: Well, I think um, both C.S. Lewis and St. Augustine, you know, there's this connection between humility and asking for help when we need it, but also recognizing that each of us have a path that we're meant to choose. One mistake that I've made in my life is thinking that my path was less than someone else. Mm -hmm. So, for example, as one who opted to stay home with my children at a certain point in our family life, you know, I looked around at the things that I was compromising on, the Career that I gave up the money that I wasn't making the education that I thought was perhaps being wasted. And I see now in retrospect that my thinking was felt um, and that I lessened recognizing the value of my purpose at that time in my life. And so everyone's calling is unique. And I don't think we can actually know when we're <laughs> when we're giving that initial yes, you know, what all will be out there before us. But I think when we walk in trust, we give glory to God's purpose mm-hmm. for us our unique calling.
1: That is such a critical point. And I think many of us, despite how we, we present on social media or socially, many of us do have a, a less than opinion of ourselves and fail to recognize that we are children of God. We reflect the creator of the universe, and therefore our purpose must be mighty it must be great and far beyond our expectations. So I think it's a message that a lot of us should take to heart. One of the questions that I have for you that we we talked a bit about before the podcast is how we come to the grace of yes in the midst of great trial and turmoil. you know when we know what the expectations are we we know kind of what the parameters are for our life it's somewhat easier I think to say yes to the Lord because the expectations are there. But what about situations, Lisa, where our external circumstances just radically shift? You know, moms or dads who have a career change radically or kids leave the nest. In that kind of a context, when our worlds are turned upside down, what are some ways that people can continue to say yes to the Lord in the unique way that he's called them?
2: There's a chapter in the book on yes to vulnerability, which I think, you know, it's very easy to say, yes, God, I give you my life when everything is uh, sunshine and roses. But the first time an illness happens or a job is lost or a child chooses something we wouldn't have them choose, you know, then we doubt. And I share some examples in that chapter who have been hallmarks for me of taking a moment of vulnerability and turning it into a yes, um, a beautiful yes. And, you know, just talking about how at that point often accompaniment during trial, being accompanied by Christ and accompanying others who are going through trials of their own mm. is sometimes the most valiant. Yes, we can give.
1: Hmm. So even though we might be faced with a lot of turmoil, a lot of transition, When we reach out to others who are in great need and accompany them, if I hear you correctly, you're saying that that's one of the best ways that we can respond to the Lord.
2: Yes. And allow ourselves to be accompanied when the need Mm. is ours. And that's the connection to humility. Mm. A quote from St. Augustine in the book that really talks about the foundation of humility and the recognition of when we need to ask for help. And I think that often in moments of vulnerability, you know, you, Josh, would probably feel comfortable saying yes to anyone who asks you for help. And yet, you know, what does it take for you to reach out and ask for support from those around you when you're facing your own challenges? And that's part of, you know, that overused phrase, leaning in (laughs) to Mm -hmm. our faith, but Mm -hmm. recognizing that we give a grace to others when we allow them to accompany us Mm. in our own moments of trial.
1: So part of leaning into grace is then leaning into other people that God has given to us that that are available to us, which we sometimes overlook, I take it, (laughs) if I'm reading through the through the lines, I guess, in your response.
2: I guess I overlook it too often because I don't want to show that side of me that perhaps needs help. Again, getting back to pride. But at the same time, I would bend over backwards to help a girlfriend who you know, needed a meal or a drive mm-hmm. you know, of their hurt children or something. Mm-hmm. But you know, hesitate to ask for that, support myself too often.
1: It's such a great point, and it's so fundamental. We, if we're in a place of struggle, reaching out to the Lord, often we overlook those that are just around us family, friends, neighbors, that, that would be more than happy to help. So I think it's a, it's a great fundamental point. Lisa, what would you share to those listeners who are shaken to the core from this recent crisis in the church? Today is September the 5th, and over the last several weeks, there's been just more and more difficult news for, for Catholics to deal with. And some Catholics really feel like they are at a point of wanting to leave the church. They're questioning God and God's love. In that context, what is the best thing that we can do to say yes to the Lord?
2: Well, I think, first of all, let me say I share the the shaken nature, and I've been really talking with God and speaking with Jesus quite a lot about this lately. I wish I was one of those who heard audible voices, but I don't. But in my in my prayer life, I've really been praying about, you know, how will you use me at this point, Lord, to be a solution to or an aid to what's happening around us? And, and so my heart, first of all, goes out to and my prayers go out to those who've been victimized in any way, including victims of abuse, but also those who feel that their trust has been victimized. My heart is with you and my Prayers are too. But how during this time for each of us, we look at not abandoning Christ Church, but rather looking at what is my tiny part of being part of the solution to this crisis. Mm. So certainly through prayer fasting and almsgiving, most certainly clinging to the fundamentals, but also making ourselves available to our pastors, to our bishops to say, you know, use me as you will. You know, you want to do a study, you want a committee, you need somebody to come clean up the pews, whatever you need, I'm yours because this is my church. And now is not a time for us to run, but rather a time for us to run forward and be present. And, you know, knowing that our hearts are broken. But I I just have to believe that God has a a unique way for each of us to rise up during this time and be a part of making right what has gone so wrong.
1: That is such a a great word for us. Typically, the lay people in the church have taken a, a passive stance. And when you say to yourself, and by extension to all of us, what can I do to be a part of the solution? That I think is a critical, critical question that all of us should be asking ourselves. What can we do to be a part of the solution?
2: I feel to. like we need to ready ourselves to just real quickly, I'll say Please. to, to answer the questions of those around us for whom we may be the only Catholic that they know. I feel like now is time for us to really prepare ourselves, you know, to always be ready. First Peter three 15, to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we feel even in a time as desperate as this, you know, what will you say when your loved ones come to you and say, what is wrong with mm. your, with your church and what's being done? You know, how will we, answer that. That's mm-hmm. Now it's time for us to man up and woman up and be ready, you know,
1: to respond to that. It's a good word. One of the things you talk about in uh, The Grace of Yes, in the preface, is you say, may this book help to crystallize in your mind and heart the gifts of your own unique yes, your own path of generous living along life's path to heaven. And generally speaking in the book, you use a story-based approach to helping people get that, that unique way crystallized. And I know lately you've been talking about the power of story for evangelization. So broadly speaking here, what's the connection between the power of story and helping one another get real clear about God's unique calling for us?
2: You know, we have so many beautiful stories of faith presented us in scripture and through tradition of the church and in the stories of the saints. And to me, I've always gravitated towards story as a way of learning my faith and sharing it with others. And I do think that we can you know, quote from the catechism or papal encyclicals to teach the faith. But I found that when I, my own experience of sharing my faith with others, when I tell a story from my own journey or from the journey of someone I admire and respect, I see that immediately connection to the point being made. And I I know that, you know, in my simplicity, I look at Jesus and how he, you know, used parable to teach and how some of the great moments of scripture, the story of creation in Genesis or the Psalms, you know, David's songs and stories and poems, you know, were ways of letting be known great truths. I just see this deep connection. And to me, it's something that in my little way, (laughs) just makes sense to me that if this is a journey of accompaniment walk alongside someone we tell our story and we listen to theirs
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so would you mind sharing here as we begin to move towards closure what are some of the the ways that the lord is crafting your story with him co-creating with you your story that would be interesting for our listeners to know about some new projects perhaps or or new trajectories (laughs) uh new plot lines
2: yeah, it's always interesting to keep an eye on my calendar because um, God is my agent and I never know what's going <laughs> to be on there. But um, most recently, I'm just back from this beautiful trip, two weeks in Australia to share some work over there to speak and to serve. And that was a great blessing of it. a continuation of traveling to different parts of the world. I'm working on planning for a trip to Colombia. I'll be in Medellin and Cali and Bogota this spring. And so I'm, I'm working on my very bad sp- Spanish right now, to go over there and to learn about the work of the church being done to serve those most in need in that country. My very first picture book, blessedly, I'm not the illustrator on that, but it's called You Are God's Storyteller, and it's an encouragement to our children to rise up and to claim their own role in sharing the good news. Honestly, I know kind of what I'm doing next week, but surprises happen all the time, so... Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Well, that book sounds wonderful. I've got six children of my own, and they love stories. And I love the idea of helping them recognize their own part in God's you know, vast story of salvation. Lisa, thank you very, very much for the time we've spent in conversation here. I appreciate your insights and your sharing today. So God bless you and your many faceted work.
2: Thank you, and God bless your great work too, Josh, and keep it up. It's so neat. Thank you.
1: Lisa's message, as we have just discussed, and as she writes in The Grace of Yes, is that when you and I err on the side of giving our unique yeses to the call of God, we have the capacity to rock our world. This capacity, like our calling, is not a distant reality but now. This is the time we've been given. Let's seize the day. To learn more about InScape, the book written by myself and Luke Burgess entitled Unrepeatable, Cultivating the Unique Calling of Every Person, the accompanying workbook, unrepeatable life, as well as many other resources to support the cultivation of personal vocation, please go to inscapevocations.com.
0: you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.